Alright, you got your Bibles this morning, open them up to Genesis, Genesis chapter 24. This morning we're going to take a look at an Old Testament story that is uh, very instructive to New Testament truth. That affects us and that we're a part of today. And, um, you know, the Bible is the Bible's alive. It is living. It's uh, so amazing to me uh, how it all just ties together and, and works out Wednesday night after Bible study. Brother Jerry and I were talking about just how uh, it, it's, a, it's an amazing book. Just reminded me of some things on how the, uh, the book of Job and some truths from that. It just, uh, it's, it, it, the thing about the Word of God is it explains itself. It's, uh, it, is a, uh, it is a book that uh, makes itself come alive. It's, uh, it's living. It's, it, it takes stories uh, from the Old Testament that are historical, things that have happened, and turn them into pictures and types, illustrations that will help illuminate uh, a truth. So it helps us to understand it. It helps us to be able to, to grasp grasp some of the truths. These are called allegories. Paul the Apostle, when he wrote in, in the New Testament, he used these. He used Old Testament pictures and types to explain New Testament truths called allegories, a metaphor, a, figure, a figurative way to explain a, a principle. Uh, he said uh, in Galatians 4.24, he says, which things are an allegory? For there are two covenants, talking about the, the picture and type between Sarah and Hagar and, and Jacob and Esau. He's making a, making a picture and type of New Testament truth from Old Testament pictures and types. The Bible is full of those. And that's, it's, it's, it's interesting to see. We're going to look this morning at a few examples. And we're going to look at Abraham. We're going to look at Isaac. We're going to look at uh, Abraham's servant, Eleazar, and we're going to look at Rebekah, which was the bride of Isaac, the mother of Jacob, or the mother of Israel. Now, Abraham and Isaac are used several times throughout the Scripture for an allegory, for a picture and type. One of the most famous that folks think about is the picture and type of of Abraham as the father, God the father, and, and Isaac as the son in Genesis chapter 22 when uh, God tests, tests Abraham to do right, to te- te- test his faith, to check his faith, and he tells Abraham to offer his son up to be a sacrifice. And you see the picture in type is, is Isaac takes that load of wood, that puts it on his shoulder, Climbs up that mountain and asks his dad, says, where's the sacrifice? And that prophetic word that Abraham said to his son Isaac, he said, God will provide himself a land. And you and I know that happened. One day on Calvary, Jesus Christ, the son, carried that cross up the hill and he provided himself the lamb. It's just an Old Testament picture and type that proves the New Testament truth. Uh, this morning though we're going to look at something a little different. We're going to look at a love story. We're going to look at a uh, picture and type of a wedding and, and a love story that is a 
an allegory or a picture of type, a picture and type of a greater love story, a greater wedding that is uh, to come. Now, in the story, Abraham, the father, will be pictured picture God, the father. Isaac, the son, he pictures Christ, the son. Jesus, the son. Eleazar, the servant, he pictures the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And Rebecca, the bride, well, who she picture? She pictures the what? The church. The church. So you got your Bibles there open to Genesis chapter 24. Now, to get in the context here, Abraham's wife, Sarah, the mother of Isaac, had just died. And Abraham, he wanted to find a bride, a wife for Isaac. Now remember, Isaac, he was the, the, going to be the one that was to inherit the promise from God that was given to Abraham, that was being passed, passed down. And so Abraham, he calls his servant to him in verse... Uh, look at verse 2. We're going to just kind of, this whole passage is about it. We're going to pick out a few verses just to look at. Genesis chapter 24 and verse 2. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had. That's interesting. Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my, under my thigh. Look at verse 4. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife under my son Isaac. Here he sends his servant to take a wife for a son. And you know that is true today. You say, how does that apply to my life today? Well, the Holy Spirit has been sent by the Father. He has been commissioned because of the Son. And the Holy Spirit is here today. He is here in this room. He is here present with us. Why? Because, why is the Holy Spirit with us? Because it's not because He's in this building, in this temple, but it's because He's in that temple that we have our heart, our body that He has. But the Holy Spirit is here specifically in the world gathering a bride for Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that draws you to Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin. I mean, you, you can't be saved, you can't be born again unless you realize you're lost, right? You can't accept that good, free gift of salvation unless the Holy Spirit puts His finger on your heart and draws you to yourself. I, I hate to tell you, but you're blinded. You cannot see the truth. That Holy Spirit, He has to draw you. And then He points you, once He convicts you, once He shows you, He points you to the answer. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit doesn't just convict me of sin and leave me there. The Holy Spirit convicts me of sin and then gives me the solution. He shows me forgiveness and shows me grace. Great, great, great grace. To forgive it, to, to be able to do away with it and be done with it. And then the Holy Spirit today, what He's doing now, is He leads us to Christ. Leads us to Him. John 6, 44, the Bible says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Let me just say this, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that was the grace of God in your life. There was a point in time that He drew you to Himself. Man, that's amazing. That's wonderful. And he says, and I will raise him up at the last day. You have the hope of the resurrection. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you the moment that you are born again. John 16, 13, the Bible says, Howbeit when he, 
the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. You know how we are to understand this Scripture? Do you know how we're to understand the Word of God? Allowing the author, the Holy Spirit, to teach us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit moved upon men and they, they wrote the Scripture through inspiration. Now, what better way than to understand the truth? What other, the Bible says, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. What better way to understand and learn and grow in the truth than to have the author teach you himself? And the Holy Spirit will do that. He'll lead us and guide us into all truth. Even the disciples, the apostles, when, when, they, uh, when Jesus was ascended into heaven, you know what he told them to do? He told them to wait to be witnesses until... The Holy Spirit filled them until they had been sealed and the Holy Spirit moved inside. He was going to send the Spirit down to dwell inside of a a believer. And you know what happened when they were filled? When they had the Holy Spirit dwell inside of them? They became what? Witnesses. They became bold in their uh, uh, proclaiming the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the Holy Spirit is here doing today? He's being a witness. And He's using us to be a witness. He's using us to be a light. He is drawing people to Jesus Christ. The Spirit has come. Now think about Eleazar, the servant. Think about his responsibility. Not on a, not, now I'm not talking in a spiritual sense. I'm just talking in a historical sense that Abraham says, Hey, go pick out a bride for my son. I mean, that's... It's pretty. It's pretty hefty burden, isn't it? I mean, you know, you're kind of getting into some delicate matters when you're picking somebody else's spouse out. You see what I mean? You you want to? You kind of think, man, I hope they're happy together. You know, I hope this is going to all work out because they'll be mad at me forever if I if I get a real real bad one here. Eleazar was thinking, but he knew that this could be a joyful thing. This holy union would bring about the heir of the promise that was supposed to be passed down through Abraham. But we see that when he goes there, and when he heads there, that this bride that he's supposedly looking for is going to have a choice. Genesis chapter 24 and verse 5, The servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou comest. He says, hey, if she won't come with me, should I take him there? Abraham says, no. Verse 8, if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou will be clear from this thine oath. Mine oath. Only bring not my son thither again. He said, hey, he's not to go there. She's to come to him. But she has a choice. She, she you know, will she believe? When, when the servant comes, will she be impressed with what the servant has to say about his young master, Isaac? Will she, you know, I mean, kind of put yourself in her place for a second, would you? This guy shows up, says, hey, you know, my master, he needs a wife, you know, will you come with me? That's going to take some faith. I mean, she's going to leave her land, she's going to leave Mesopotamia and go to a place she doesn't know to a people she doesn't know necessarily how's she going to fall in love with someone she's never seen first peter chapter 1 verse 8 the bible talking about us the bride of christ and christ says whom having not seen you love 
in whom, though you have not seen him, you believe. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know what? This morning I believe, I believe that there is a people here that loves Jesus Christ. I don't think you'd be here if you didn't. You came here because you're in love with Christ. You're in love with His, your Savior. You're in love with your Master. And you know what? Not one of us has seen it. Not one of us have seen it. We're all in love. We're all engaged to be married. We're all part of a, those that have accepted Jesus Christ. And you're in love with a Savior that you've never seen. Now you will one day. By faith you believe that. And isn't it funny here? It says in verse, uh, 1 Peter, he says, Though you see him not, yet believe, you have... Rejoicing and joy unspeakable, full of glory. You know what not seeing but believing is? Faith. It's faith. And you know what faith brings? Rejoicing. Joy unspeakable. Doesn't it? When you've, when you've got faith, what can get you down? <laughs> when you've got faith in Christ, when you've got faith in the hope, the hope that He brings, the hope of glory, my soul. You can have some rejoicing. You can have some joy unspeakable. The Spirit, He will draw you. He will. But will you accept? Will you accept? Rebecca and Isaac had, had uh, never been married if the servant hadn't come. They would have never, you know, they would have never gotten together if a servant hadn't come and drawn them. In other words, the Spirit has to draw you. That's the point I'm trying to make. But then, once the Spirit draws you, you have to believe, you have to trust, you have to accept that offer. That's what marriage is, is it says two coming together. Verse, uh, verse 11 of, of, of uh, chapter 24, it says that he... Uh, and he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of the evening even the time that the women go out to draw water. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master. And he goes on to say, if I ask her to give me a drink, she'll do that. And he, the point here is, he prays. He shows up outside, outside the city, and it's an interesting conversation uh, the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he asks Rebecca the same thing that Jesus asked the woman at the well. Hey, give me water to drink. Give me water to drink. But he prays, and God prospers him. He prays, Lord, give me a sign. He said, uh, verse 14, And let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink. And she shall say, Drink. And I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. And thereby shall I know that thou hast shown kindness unto my master. I just find it interesting here that this is a divine appointment. Would you not agree? I mean, this is a divine appointment. The servant and Rebecca meeting up here. Under very ordinary circumstances. Rebecca, she'd done this before, hadn't she? She'd gone out to the well many times. 
And I find it interesting how God shows up. Now, let me just ask you this question. Does God get involved in the affairs of men and women? Does He or does He not? On ordinary days, ordinary work days, ordinary, just ordinary people on ordinary days, does God get involved in our lives? He absolutely sure does. And here, Rebecca, she's just going to the well like she'd done before. And she met, she, she met a man with a divine appointment from God. But it's funny that this, this man, he understood that this was God's will. He understood that this was God's will, that uh, Rebecca, she was the one. But do you know how he knew that this was God's will? Because he'd already prayed. Think about that. Had he not prayed and said, Lord, the woman that you want, uh, have her say, not only will I get you a drink, but I'll help out more. And then she did that. He might not have known. He may have been a little confused. We believe in prayer, don't we? We believe in prayer. Sometimes prayer will help us see, cut through all the clutter and see the will of God. We can see what God's doing in our lives. I mean, as soon as this uh, Rebecca showed up and just as he prayed, came to fruition, he just started worshiping God, saying, praise God. This was, this was a worthwhile trip. This was meant to be. Look at verse 35 of chapter 24. It says, And the Lord hath blessed my master greatly. He's talking to Rebecca and her family. And, she is, and he has become great and he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and manservants and maidservants and camels and asses. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare a son to my master when she was old. And unto him hath he given all that he had. I think that uh, there's several interesting points here. First off, God the Father, he has given everything into control of the Son, has he not? Just as Abraham was a very wealthy and powerful man, and he said, everything that I have is Isaac's. God the Father said, and you see the verses in Colossians and other places, that everything that God has, He's put into control of food. The Son, Jesus Christ. And then you find the Holy Spirit, you find the servant, what's He doing? Saying, oh, He's wonderful. He's beautiful. He's got all power and all wisdom and all knowledge and all, you know, isn't that what the Spirit does? You know, someone acts like they're full of the Spirit and they want to self, self-promote self and self-elevate. Not the Spirit. You know what the Spirit does inside of an individual? It Jesus elevates. It Christ lifts Him up and makes Him beautiful and makes Him powerful. And anything good in our lives we begin to recognize anything good in our lives is because of who? Because of Jesus Christ. He begins to lift up and tell how great... He, you know what he does? He really tries to make Isaac look good to Rebecca. He's trying to make this thing work out. That's exactly... Not only does the Holy Spirit convict us of sin, show us we need a Savior, He shows us how sweet the Savior is, doesn't He? He shows us how good the Savior is. Look at John. But you don't have to turn there. I'll read it. John 15, 26. It says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send, Jesus talking unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, He will testify of Me. 
Who does the Holy Spirit testify of? Who does the Holy Spirit point to? Who does the Holy Spirit elevate? It elevates Christ. It elevates Him. Now look at, moving along quickly, look at verse 49 of Genesis chapter 24. It says, And now if ye will deal kindly and truly with my Master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left hand. He goes into the whole spiel, says, hey, my, my master is seeking a bride. Uh, I think it's the will of God that you are the one. You're the one for him. My master is beautiful. My master has all these wonderful things about him. And then he comes to the point of, will you make a decision? It's a yes or no. And you know, the gospel is that way, is it not? Is not the gospel that way? That when you hear the gospel preached, it should be plain, it should be clear, it should be uh, uh, to the point, but it should leave us with a decision. It should leave us to will you accept Jesus Christ. I've said it so many times, the gospel is, is like a marriage. It's not like a marriage. Actually, the marriage is like a, the gospel. It is what points to the gospel in that, in that there's two people, one that says, I do. Christ says, I do. He says, I do to all. Says he's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That he died for the sins of the world, for anyone who would accept and anyone who would call upon his name, right? He's standing there saying, I do, I do. But there's not a marriage and there's not a wedding until the other one, the other party says, I do. That's how a proposal works, isn't it? You say, Will you marry me? And they say, Yes or no, and no would be really embarrassing. <laughs> Especially if you told somebody. I heard a preacher not too long ago, he says that he was really nervous about marriage and really nervous about uh, getting married and all that commitment, you know. So when he asked his when he asked his wife to marry him, he got down on one knee and says, Will you be engaged to me? You know, that's not how it works, isn't it? That incremental uh, commitment there, you know. <laughs> Let's just get through the engagement first, and then we'll talk about marriage. That's not how it works. That's not how the gospel works. You can't dabble with Christ. You're either His or you're not. You're either in Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, you're in sin. You're either born of God or you're not. It's, it, there's really not a lot of gray area in that. You're either married or you're not, right? You're either saved, you're either a child of God, or you're not. There's not a lot of gray area in that one. That's what the gospel is. It's a yes or no. Do you, will you receive yes or no? And she says yes. Praise God. She says yes, and they begin to worship the Lord. We talked about it Wednesday night. They begin to worship the Lord just like the angels in heaven over one sinner that repents and accepts Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You know what he does immediately when she says yes? Immediately when she accepts the proposal? Verse 53. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. And he gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. You know, what it, you know what the servant did? You know what the spirit did as soon as she accepted the proposal? He gave her gifts. He gave her gifts. You know what the spirit does to the church? He gives us gifts. 
He gifts us. He, he prepares us. He preps us to be a blessing. He, he uh, equips us. Would you not agree that the Holy Spirit, look, if we're going to serve God, if we're going to do anything in ministry, uh, and we're all ministers, by the way, when I say ministry, I don't mean, uh, you know, uh, full-time, anything like that. I'm, we all should be full-time ministers, serving the Lord and trying to be missionaries. Uh, but if we're going to do anything eternal, if we're going to do anything eternal, I'm telling you, it's going to have to be through the power of the Holy Spirit in us, giving us something that we don't have. Giving us those, uh, the boldness and uh, wisdom, the, the uh, uh, power to do what we do not have. To be a blessing to us. That's what the gifts do. They're a blessing to us. Those jewels and goals, uh, that gold, that was a blessing to Rebecca, wasn't it? It blessed her. It prepared her for the wedding to make her uh, look beautiful for Isaac, right? That's what the church is in Ephesians chapter 5. He says that, that we're to be cleansed and, and made clean through the washing of the Word. Why? So that we can present ourselves, the church, the bride of Christ, to, to God, a holy and, and blameless and all those sorts of things. The, the Holy Spirit working through us begins to prep us and prepare us for that wedding day. We're meeting Christ in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 8. The Bible says this. For we, talking about the church, talking about believers, Christians, are all members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ, and every one member one of another. You know what the passages say over in Corinthians, how you know we're all not an eye in the body of Christ. We're all not a hand. We're all not a... We all have different abilities and gifts and talents that God's given us to be a blessing to ourselves and to the body of Christ, to minister to the body of Christ. He says in Ephesians, I'll get back to Romans, but he says in Ephesians also that, uh, that he gives gifts and all those things. He gives pastors and apostles and teachers and evangelists. What for? He says for the, let's turn there, Ephesians chapter 4. I'll get back to the Romans thing. But Ephesians chapter 4. Can't quote it, so we just need to read it. It says in verse 7, Ephesians 4 7, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. By the way, the, what the Holy Spirit gifts you, what He does in your life, that's grace. That's a work of grace in your life. So he gives us this thing. Look at verse 11, talking about what he gifts the church. He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers for, verse 12, the perfecting of the saints for, the work of the ministry for, the edifying of the body of Christ. So these gifts that he gives are for specific purposes. What are they for? They're for us as believers to be edified, to be grown up in Christ. Why? So that we can perform our own ministry, what God has called us to do. How long are we to do that? Verse 13. Till we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God into a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hey, one day this corruptible is going to lay on incorruption. And this mortal is going to put on immortality. 
I'll be as Christ, like Christ, without temptation of sin. But until then, I need the Holy Spirit and His work in my life to the sanctification process, right? To, edify, to, to be edified until those days. Why? Verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. You know what is expected of us as Christians? Say this politely, to grow up in Christ. We're not to say children. We're to, to grow, not just in knowledge, not just in doctrine, but also in grace. Hope you do more growing in grace than doctrine and knowledge, because if not, you'll probably end up hurting yourself or hurting somebody else. But we're but we're not to stay just, you know, whatever truth or whatever doctrine that we hear that we think, oh, that sounds good. No, how does it measure up to the Word of God? How does it measure up to the standard, to the truth? That's how we grow up in Christ. And God uses the gifts, the gifts each person, different people, different ways to help in that process. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. We talk about that a lot here, right? That we want to speak the truth. The truth is what we stand down. The truth is all important, but we're going to do that in love. We're going to do that in grace. We may grow up. He says it. Grow up <laughs> unto Him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We are being what? What are we being conformed into the image of? We're being conformed into the image of Christ. That's why we call ourselves Christians. That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He says, continuing on there in Romans verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace, same thing, gifts come through the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let him prophesy according to the portion of faith, or ministry, let him wait on our on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. He's saying, hey, there's, there's all different members, different parts of the church that may be gifted in different things. Let them just do it. Let them just do it and, and really kind of do it with simplicity. Do it pointing to Christ. Do it knowing that it's the Holy Spirit inside of us that has given us those gifts. Doesn't it make you, as a Christian, feel special that God... Send His Spirit to draw you. You remember when that happened? You may have been sitting in a pew in a church. You may have been in your car. You may have been in your home. You may have been laying in your bed. You may have been sitting at a desk. You may have been up on top of a mountain. You may who knows where you've been. But you know it when that Holy Spirit tugs at your heart and begins to draw you to Himself. Doesn't that make you feel special? You know what that means? God chose you. God loves you. God wants you. He wouldn't draw you. He wouldn't ask you if you didn't. And not only that, that He gifts you. As His bride now. He protects you. He loves you. That's what that means. Genesis chapter 24 and verse 61 Verse 61 of Genesis chapter 24. The Bible says, And Rebekah arose, and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels, and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. You know what? This is an important part of the, of the Christian life. He's following him. 
We talk about that a lot here, don't we? Hey, what's it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? It means you're a follower. It means you follow Him. And in order to follow Him, you have to follow the Spirit that, what? Leads you to Him. That's what Rebecca did. She made a decision to get up, leave her country, leave her people, leave everything that was familiar to her, right? And follow the, the servant to the Master. And that's what we got to do. You know what the Father wanted? You know what Abraham wanted? He said to his servant, I want a, I want a, I want a bride that will follow you back to the Son. Willing to leave this world. Willing to leave the temptations and the things of this world. Look, that's, that's all part of the sanctification. That's all part of our Christian life is, hey... Does this world not, if, we, if we're not careful, does this world not get a hold on us? It just hold us where it wants us? Does it not? Let me ask you a question. Does this world at times kind of, would it hinder our Christian growth if we weren't intentional? It would, wouldn't it? We've got to choose to get up and follow the Spirit, the Spirit that leads us directly. To Christ. Eleazar, the, the, the servant, you know what he knew? He knew this was going to be this was going to be good for Rebecca, didn't he? I mean, he knew that her life was about to change, but it was about to change for the better. She was about to become the queen of a great household. <laughs> she really was. She was about to be the mother of some great nations. And there were some promises that were already given to the son. Get this. There were some promises already given that be given to the son that she was going to get in on just by becoming one with the son. Same is true for us. Holy Spirit knows that, hey, if you become one with Christ, all the benefits that God the Father has given to the son become yours. Wow. Yours. We become joint heirs, the Bible says, with Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, that's good news. I, it doesn't matter what happens to the economy. It really doesn't. It doesn't matter what happens around here or down here. I mean, you know, it's easy to say when you're, when you're excited about the Scripture, but it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't. It really doesn't matter. What we have in eternity, what we have promised to us, because we're, we have become one with Christ, bone of His bone and flesh of His flesh, because we've become one with Christ, whew, we have got the benefits. We have got a good life ahead of us. All of our heart's desires. I don't know what Rebecca dreamed about, who she would marry and all those sort of things. But I'll tell you what, our greatest dream came true when, when we became one with Christ. But we had to be willing. She had to be willing to leave and to follow. Finally, there's going to be a marriage. There's going to be a way. Look at verse 64. And Rebecca lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel, verse 67. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebecca, and she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. There's going to be a wedding. The servant, he's here now. He's gathering the bride right now. I mean, that's going on in the world today. That's going on right here. The servant is gathering a bride for 
the wedding. Have you ever been to a wedding? We've all been to weddings, right? And isn't it, you know, nice just to go to a wedding and, you know, take a gift and watch the ceremony and it's all over? You can't be a Christian like that, though. You know who you know who's really gets involved in the wedding? <laughs> the bride. I mean, this is a big deal to her, right? And so for you and I as followers of Jesus Christ, we can't just be bystanders watching, you know, the Christian life, watching what's going on. We have, we have to take some personal interest in this. This is this is our this is our inheritance. This is our livelihood. This is everything that's tied up into being one with Christ. We're part of it. We're a very, very integral part of the marriage. We're not just going to be there in heaven watching this happen. It's going to be a celebration that's with us. As the bride, will you be there? Will you be there? Revelation 19.9 And He saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called under the marriage supper of the Lamb. And He saith unto me, These are true sayings of God. You know who are blessed here on earth? Those that are blessed here on earth will be those that are at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Those that will be there, becoming a part of that. Won't that be wonderful? One day we're going to see Jesus Christ face to face. One day we will. In closing, will you choose Christ? It's a yes or no. The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, will you accept it? I don't know. You may be here this morning and you've not accepted Jesus Christ. You've not become one with Him. Maybe you've been one of those people that are just kind of on the, on the outskirts watching it. You've come close many times, but you've never come out and said, yes, I do, I accept. I, I will receive the free gift of salvation. I'll turn from anything that I've trusted in and simply trust the death of Jesus Christ and His blood shed on the cross for my payment of sin and to become one with Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to accept Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not following Christ. You're not, you're not putting on the gifts. You're not working out. Just as we read there in Ephesians chapter 4, you, you have been a bit childish in your Christian walk with Christ. You're not being intentional about growing in, 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 in truth and growing in love and growing in grace. Growing in the gifts that God's given you. Or maybe, maybe this morning you need to choose to leave this world. Let it just cut a little bit of the ties this morning of the power that it has on you. Some of the things of this world, some of the temptations, you got to Maybe you're here and you say, yeah, I accept Christ. I have accepted Christ. But you've never left Mesopotamia. You've never got up and followed the Spirit leading you to a Christ. Never chosen to, 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 to get out of this world in the sense of, of the, the power and the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Will you? Will you? This is a turning point, a decision point, right? Will you? If you're lost, will you accept? Will you be saved? If you're a believer that's not walking after the Spirit, will you? You know how much you're loved. How much the Spirit will get you. How much the, the bridegroom wants you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm just happy to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, God, I, I accept You as my Savior. I repent of my sins. 
I'm turning away from trusting anything other than Jesus Christ and His payment on the cross and Him alone. God, I'm asking You to come into my heart to save my soul, to be my God, to be my Lord. 